Welcome to episode 622 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team welcome along to episode 622 of I'm Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan. Yourself? Tell, tell the weather story, John. Oh, we're not starting with No, weather. you know you want to share this one. No, it's all Kiwis, buddy. Do us complain about the but weather. You, it's like the palms. Oh, first thing you did when you walked in the house today, I was told Joe the weather story. Well, I saw, heard the weather on the, on the way here, and they said we had 17 hours of sun in the last 17 days. It is like we're living in the UK. It's dismal, it's dreary, it's wet, it's cold. It's crappy. But I'm out of here tomorrow, so it's all okay. <laughs> Long may it continue. Uh, this uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few. Or you name a few, John, because you've got the list. We have Pavel, the wild wrestler, Chalcis. That's a good one. Marissa, the dirty little rascal, Rastetta, who recently qualified for Kona after umpteen years of trying. And Michael, call me Sir Turner. Call me Sir Turner. Now, the one we made up last week, he did have a nickname. Yes. Who was that? don't know, Bevan. Maybe you should look it up no. before you bring it okay, up. Okay, well, because it was, I can't remember what the nickname was, but he did the email. educator, us. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Something like the educator. Um, anyway, John, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got discussion of the week. We've got two interviews. No, one interview this week. We're doing one interview with Teresa Adam. I did last week. I did the interview with Kyle Buckingham. Um, he had terrible line connection there, so I didn't end up doing that. So apologies, but I did do it the next day, and we're actually going to save that over, and that's going to be on next week's show. Good times. And then uh, we also it's a pretty uh, quick show today because we've also got uh, an age group of the week. Okay. Nice. Do, oh no, we do we? No, yes. we don't. Oh, we do. Yes. We don't. We do. We do. We do. We have age groupers of the week let's get into it John we've got some news uh, first of all we had a couple results from sm some smaller races in full a big brown white head from the UK had the Lakesman Triathlon at lakesman.com got lots of really good feedback from here so uh, Daniel Buff took out the race in 9 hours 15 minutes and 50 seconds he swam 103 rode 451 and ran a 316 Richard Anderson was second 925 10 minutes back uh, fairly close hard fought uh, second place over Graham Rands who came in a 928 good size field um, on the females side of things uh, Give me one second, Bevan. But I did see some posts on Facebook saying, you know, come on, Ironman, brush up, come and have a look at what they're doing up here at Lakes Man. It's an awesome race. You could learn plenty from them. On the female side of racing, we had Lindsay Curry take it out in 11 hours 20 over Karen Bridge, 11.33. Oh, only 20 seconds in front of Rachel Jeff. Really? Ooh, tight racing. Yeah, if you go to their Facebook page, they put a post up about the race, and it's just comments about how much people love the race. So... Mm. Good on them, good on them putting, you know, a great race, you know, sounds like killing it. And that's what you want to hear, isn't it? That people really enjoyed the experience. Uh, we also had Keltman. We did. Keltman is, so this is one of these sort of extreme off-road, uh, not extreme off-road, off-road on the run, but very much a, a Norse man of, of Scotland. And Melina went and did it a few years ago. Uh, I know the swim is... 
This one is fresh, and that's, I think, putting it really mildly. Um, the bike is, is not too extreme, but by the sounds of it, you get plenty of wind. Uh, and by the look of the day that they had up there, it was cloudy, it was shitty. It was just old-school, hard-ass yep. racing. Head and, down, bum up, and, keep moving. And then the run was uh, is off-road, and it's up bloody mountains and all sorts of things. And uh, when you get someone like Harry Wiltshire out there, he took the race out, taking 11 hours and 39 minutes, you know it's a pretty decent day at the office. Uh, it did sound, the post that I saw on their Facebook page, is a, they have a couple of categories on the run and, and the weather sort of closed in and they had to close off um, the top part of the run for people that, that didn't reach it by a certain time, which is disappointing, but safety's got to come first. So Harry Wiltshire took it out from Aaron Semple um, by, it wasn't quite a dojo domination. Uh, he went 11.55 for second and Timu... I'm not even going to go. Oh, I've got to give it a crack, haven't I? Go on, mate. Um, you can do it. Limiatia. Nice. From wherever we're finished in third and <laughs> Well, he's, he's from the TT Aquaterra okay. Club. And then on the females side of racing, we had an 11th place, Marjim Alec. She did 14.05. And it was a fairly close race between her and. Marie Meldum in fourteen sixteen, so only sort of uh, only eleven minutes in it. So good racing uh, from both the males and females side, and well done everyone who did the Kelp Man. Now you've got a link here to Astana. Seventy point three in Astana, but you've got a link to the men's age group of forty five to forty nine. What's with well, that about? We got an email through. I think it was last night. It might have been this morning. Um, I don't know if we won't name him because I'm not sure if he wanted to be named, but sort of a link to the Astana 70.3 and a little video clip. Yep. And there was somebody racing an Astana bike kit. And I knew who it was. And, uh, and I said to the guy, I don't think Bevan will know who this guy is. So it turns out Alexander Vinokurov took oh, out yeah, love the... Him. He was my favourite athlete. Yeah. <laughs> he took out the men's 40 to 45 to 49 age group at the Astana 70.3 last weekend. And... He's not Lance Armstrong in terms of the degree of cheating that Lance Armstrong oh, okay. went to, but he's in the in that sort of ballpark. Okay. And uh, he taught him a few tricks. He's Olympi way. Olympic gold medalist. Um, won Has it been loads taken of off stages. Him? Don't want to comment on that. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, he's not my favourite athlete in the world, and let's just. We'll leave it at that. But he, he took out the men's 45, 45 to 49 at the Astana, Astana 70.3, which is a new race. And the little YouTube footage had him just smoking past people on the bike. Uh, I'm just pulling up his details here now. Uh, what did he, he ran about? He didn't run too badly. His swim was, um, was not amazing. His, so he swam a 38.19. He rode a 210.01, and then he ran a 131, uh, 132, uh, sorry. So not a bad performance, but won by two minutes. So he won the, the Olympic gold at the 2012 Olympic Games. So it wasn't even that long ago. Mm. And he has been busted, has he? Mm. And he's still raced for a period afterwards? Yes. Mm. That's interesting. When, when it was the starter, I thought the, the, the comment was about the sponsorship. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was about. Yeah. I thought, what, they're sponsoring triathletes? Was that what it was about? But no. No, so uh, can't say I'm too happy about that. Yeah. Coming up this weekend. Coming though, up this I'm, weekend. I'm, Let's I'm, look on the bright. So we've got Ironman France coming up.
This is a race I would love to go and do one day. So they've got a good good field assembled there. You've got uh, Frederick Van Leer, Boris Stein, uh, Braden Curry. I think will be highly unlikely that he's, yep, he's uh, qualified. He's out. Starting. <laughs> yes. uh, Cameron Wirth has also got an asterisk next to his name. Nico Lanos, TJ Tollickson, Anthony Coasters. Uh, so good big field there. You've got around about 45 uh, starters on the male side. Female side of things, you've got uh, Mel Halstein, um Carrie Lester and Corrine Abrahams. So really good females field. But I was looking at this field, Bevan, and I was going, you've got some big hitters here. Yep. Um, but I think some of the males are perhaps some of the most underrated males of this current generation. You, know, you think Ferry Van Leer, we've talked about him a few times. The dude has won Kona. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yeah. Uh, and he's won a lot of other big races. And when you pull up his his sort of record on trysplits.com, you really see that he's um, yeah, he won, he's won Ironman France, won Ironman Cozumel. He's been on the podium in Kona twice as well as winning it. He's won the Ironman African Championships. He's been second in um, Frankfurt, which is you know, the second biggest yep. race in the world. Uh, he's been third in Melbourne when they had a very strong field there. Won France another time. So the, the, Abu Dhabi back in the day when it was a strong yeah. race. So I think for, for stars for him, He's one on the start list. He's a guy that doesn't get enough credit. And also the second-seeded athlete, um, Boris Stein, is another one that perhaps he's, he's a guy, that, and you're going to hear about him, I think uh, discussed him with Cam, um, not Cam Worth, with Kyle Buckingham. He's one of those guys that comes through and you don't see him on the TV footage because he's, uh, he's not, a, not necessarily the strongest uh, swimmer, but you see him sort of coming through and getting top 10s in Kona. You know, he finished 7th there in 2016. Um, he's won Ironman France. He's won Ironman Switzerland. Um, finished, you know, had some good podium places elsewhere. But another guy that perhaps you don't, doesn't get enough credit. He's got 10th in Kona last year and 7th the year before, So and 10th the year before that. So consistent performer and knows how to get the job done. So that's on the guy's side of things. So you've got a couple of underrated athletes. And then on the girl side, the female side of racing, uh, I think you've got some of the most hot, cold athletes that there are in this sport. The hot colds. They're either hot or they're cold. Yep. So you've got Mel Halshite, and So she's an amazing 70.3 athlete, but her Ironman career is, it's it goes, so we're working backwards from Ironman Western Australia. It's a one, 14th at Worlds. It's a one at Ironman Western Australia. Then it goes zero for a did not finish. A one, a zero for a did not start. Uh, a win in Ironman Melbourne. A win in Australia. And then a, and so, so she, she's often either did not starting or did not finishing or kicking some serious butt. Yeah. And then equally, you've got Carrie Lester, who again is a fantastic athlete. I still love that rote performance she had a few years ago. Um, but again, quite a few DNFs littered in there with a lot of very good podium results. So she finished second in WA, won Ironman France last year. She's won Chattanooga. She's had uh, second in rote uh, twice. Uh, lots of ones, but quite littered in there, quite a few zeros as well. So she's a second of the uh, hot-cold athletes, but... More hot more often than cold and same deal with Corrine Abraham um, some amazing results especially early in her career um, but she's you know two 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 four zero one zero 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 uh, five eleven one three one so you know some really really good results but but a number of zeros in there as well so it's going to be a good race coming up next weekend. So we'll look out for Ironman France. John's IQ update. So not, we haven't got a lot of racing happening until mid-July now. We haven't. So this is, you know, that uh, the ITU really listen to what the athletes say 
often, not always, but in terms of they've got you've got to allow the athletes some time to train, and so they they normally try to structure their their their, their series in the calendar so you kind of moving and you can have a bit of time to train and it's rather than going one race here one race over there one race here consecutive weekends here um, they do try to spread the season out so a lot of the athletes will be spending this month really kicking kicking up some some high training but you'll also find a lot of them will be racing in Europe in terms of like the French Grand Prix or the Bundesliga in Germany um, so yeah we don't see any more racing back till July in Hamburg so when I was in the shower this morning thinking of triathlon Great. yeah that's what I do as you I'm do in, yeah and uh, I was thinking to myself no, I know it's never going to happen, but if Ironman was an Olympic sport run by ITU, because mm-hmm. to me, if anything, Ironman's almost the, the Olympics is the best time to run an Ironman because you could, it's one of those sports where you can come and go from all day mm-hmm. and you watch other sports in the interim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you've got an event that's going to take for the pros and you're only going to have a pro field, eight to nine and a half hours to 10 hours for the females, you know, like it's kind of a cool day to do it. But anyway, that's not the point. How does that affect the sport? What happens to Ironman? Oh, it has a significant impact. You, you would see a massive, massive strengthening in the in the fields. You would find that athletes then are going to get national federation support, and so it's going to ch- it would change. It's, the, it's interesting how much it hurt Ironman as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, no, because would, ITU would put on a lot more races, wouldn't they? It would change things significantly, and then it would be. You know, you've got to be qualifying for the Olympics, so you you'd be playing the game a lot more in terms of going to qualifying events. So it would have a massive, massive impact. Yeah, and maybe they do a system where they qualify at the ITU long course distance. It would never be able to run through through Ironman. It would be a separate qualifying yeah, system. Yeah, but it would be interesting to see what it did to the sport because it kind of hurt Ironman a lot, wouldn't it? Mm. You know, you never I'd never see Ironman coming in, but half Ironman. Again, that would change things significantly as well if they had a, had a half Ironman race and, and just Can you ever see that, that happening? Like no, I know it's we're too going, long. No, yeah, but, but like I just said before, I mean, if shit. there's ever a day, like, because you know what you're doing, you know, with the Olympics, you're watching 10 mm. sports at once. Yeah. You know, like it could work as a spectator. But I mean, look, I'd say, what X- Xbox, it sounds like that's got more chance of getting in than anything else at the moment. <laughs> that's not exaggerating. They're talking about all this sort of I stuff. Know, I know. Hey, and those kids are making more money than I mean. Yeah, I, t- I know. know. Yeah, so. Okay, uh, discussion of the week. So last week, I just want to know, is there, is there, can we, should we have a goat in the sport? John, you won un- n- unanimously, if that's the word I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. probably would say three quarters said no. And they were definitive no's. There wasn't many slam no's, no. but there was. Uh, I'm just looking down here. It, it, it started to swing back in your favour a bit, but uh, as it kicked off, it was, yeah, it was no, tr- yes, no, no, maybe. Uh, come on, Christian Isaacson, don't sit on the fence. Uh, no, no, no. Yes. Well, there are some good points here, but so if um, let me pull up here. So someone said something about boxing. Here we go. Um, John the Mincer Muncy says no. I'm with you, John, all the way. You're not getting a new nickname. Met him over in Kona. He said. How about a new nickname? Nah, you're the mincer. That's a good one. Uh, Johnny Fallis has got, uh, yes, maybe like boxing, where they have different goat for a per weight class. We could have a goat per distance and maybe a separate division for categories. So he's got a good point there. You haven't even got one of, Coach Kylie, you haven't even been able to influence her at your She's training fired. sessions. She's fired. <laughs> uh, Jeff Curry's got, yes, uh, all sports change over time, but we all know who the greats are. Triathlon is no different. Uh, Lucy Francis has got a goat for each discipline and gender. Uh, John and Alice has got no, although uh, it has plenty of sheep already. Um, Daniel Clark, now he's a pro triathlete, John, so he has mm-hmm. more importance than everyone else. And he says yes. 
Mm-hmm. It's got not everyone has to agree on who the person is, but having people talking about triathlon is good for the sport. Uh, Adrian Foy Foy Moy has got I vote yes, just let the deep dive analysis and discussion happen rather than just basing on what our current memories are. But be careful about comparing across generations. So people who commented, Jen, were more comment, Peter Colson's got absolutely, Mark Allen currently holds that title, however, Frodino could take it off in a few more Konas and Rotes. Um, Adrian, Mark Adrian Hernandez has got, I agree with the initial suggestion of the greatest of the era, back when there were no specialisations, the people raced all distances, was shown versatility, he kind of goes on a little bit there, but that's good. So I reckon... The answer is yes. <laughs> oh, funny that. <laughs> did, they, did you not realise there was no means yes, John? <laughs> right, yes. We, we battle that, that, that every day, don't we? Well, uh, the reason I went to it, because, did I tell you about why I put this question out there? Oh, There's another, right. Bill Simmons is, does a podcast. Um, he's a big American sports commentator. Uh, he's got the, the Bill Simmons podcast, and it's a good podcast. He talks a lot about American sport, and they're always discussing the greatest, the goats mm-hmm. of their sports. And... Um, and I think it's good for the sport because it's a great discussion. You know what I mean? I do think it is good to say there is... Now, I know it's hard because we have different distances. I know it's a complicated discussion, but it's the same in any sport. Because you go errors, you look at boxing, and you go boxing with these different weight divisions. But I do think it's a healthy discussion for a sport to have and for a sport to have somebody who we say, that is the marker that everyone else is trying to beat. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think there's greatest in era and greatest in distances, and the same in other sports. You go, that was the greatest defender in that period, who was the greatest attacker in that period, and then we can say it's equally in triathlon. You can say in that sort of 10-year window or so, that dude was the greatest Olympic distance athlete um, that there was in that period, but I disagree. I don't think you have a greatest of all time. You can say you've got your greats, but you, I don't think you can have a, a definitive answer saying the greatest of all time. So you could say... So would you say Federer is the greatest of all time? <laughs> No. Why not? Well, what about Nadal? He's won loads of titles as well. What about the guys that no? I, I just don't think you compare. It's not an apples with apples uh, argument. Although it is easier in tennis because they're all doing the same thing. Yeah, I, I do agree. It's complicated with triathlon because we have a different variety of the sport. Um, oh, no, I do think the goat, I, I think a goat discussion in a sport is a really healthy thing. And you do have to compare errors, but that makes it a really interesting conversation and that's what it's all about it's just we're just having an interesting conversation it's not mm. you know and it's it's a differing opinion i do think that it is good for sport to you know like right now the discussion is jordan versus lebron in basketball and it's a really good discussion and and you know there's no real perfect answer um but i do think it's good to get people talking about your it's sport it's good to relive all those legends that have gone before us which uh yeah. So, so next week's discussion, who is the goat? Right. <laughs> uh, no, next week's discussion, John. Well, I haven't actually put it up here in terms of you can you can word it how you want, but um, we had an athlete over there racing in the Kona seventy point three, and he said yep. at the start of the climb up to Harvey, I started uh, riding around another athlete. He's actually put the number in here, but uh, we're, we're not going to name, name and shame, shame that no. person. Number. Uh, who was wearing headphones with a black cord and an iPhone sticking out of the back of his bike jersey. He wasn't paying attention and was oblivious to those around him, swerving left and right. For better or for worse, I yelled at one of the marshals on the bike and gave them the guy's number. He was less than 100 metres ahead of me and the marshal rode up, went straight past him and did nothing. I've encountered this rider a number of times during the rest of the climb. 
still wearing his headphones. After turning around at the top of Harvey, I happened to be behind him as he rode past the penalty tent without stopping. I then dropped him on the way back to T2. Nice work. Yeah. To make matters worse, I end up standing next to him. I recognise him from a distinctive facial hair while waiting for our bags after arriving in Maui the following oh, day. What do you do? Do you say something, John? I was too chicken shit to <laughs> confront him about it. So the question, the question is... Would you confront him during the race, after the race, tell a marshal, what, if anything, would you do? He just pissed me off. He wasn't drafting, but it was a potential danger to those uh, those around him. See, I'm very lenient on the use of earphones in the run. I don't think in the bike it should be happening. So I'm, yeah. I think it shouldn't be happening full stop. Yeah, I know, but the you're, question you're is, an old man. <laughs> what would you do um, during the race? Would you confront yeah. the person during the race? After the race, would you tell a marshal or would you just try to suck it up and get on with your day? John, let's do sponsor. Sponsor. Extreme it's Endurance. Galactic Buffer. Extreme Endurance. We're talking Fuel 5 today. So if you're looking for an alternative fuel source for both your training and your racing, they have the Fuel 5 and the Fuel 5 Plus. The difference between the two is there is a, a whopping $1 difference in terms of the price for you know, the 5 Plus, um, but that has got the caffeine in it, so it gives you that nice boost. And I can certainly say it has enough in there that it gives you a good boost because I was using it in Kona a couple of years ago and took it at Harvey, and by the time I was uh, down near Kauaiho, so you got sort of a long descent, it was really starting to kick in quite nicely. So what I've found with the Fuel 5 product is it is um, it's just a, a softer flavour. You don't feel like you're getting a, a sugary overload. It's not the complete, um, uh, you know, complete fueling. Jeez, Bevan, you can't even see the city outside. Oh, you, you want to talk about weather, do you? Oh, you want to you want to stop the sponsorship ad? <laughs> yes, because people don't want to hear about the weather, John. Yeah, so Fuel Five. Um, it's it's not one of those ones where you can just fuel on that during your day. If you're going down this path, you would still need to have some other products to make sure you're getting enough carbohydrate intake as you're going through the day. But it's four different types of carbohydrates and lactate. Uh, it's their proprietary brand. It's got sweet organic potato in it. Maltodextrin, dextrose, lactate, and sucrose helps to fuel your body. It's by its preferred substrate to promote glycogen synthesis. So uh, check it out, guys. If you, especially if you're one of those people who've been having stomach issues and races and you've sort of tried different bits and pieces and you got think I've got my intensity right but I'm just not getting the fueling right um, try to check it out uh, fuel fuel 5 and if you want the caffeine go fuel 5 plus and main thing is when you're doing your race day nutrition start crunching the numbers you know look at the labels on the back of the packets and just start working out what you've done in the past was that enough? Was it was it too much? And just start working out you know a, a blend of, of products that's going to work for you. Check it out. Fuel Five Plus. Remember the promo code IMTalk20 for a twenty percent discount on all the products on there. Should be good on the uh, European site and the .co.uk. So check it out. Hi guys, Teresa Adam was the winner of Ironman Ken's got second in Ironman New Zealand. She's had a pretty glorious start to her Ironman career, and we're going to find out all about her here right now. Here's Teresa Adam. 
Okay, guys, uh, so we had Iron Man Cairns uh, fairly recently. And we should call Iron Man Cairns Kiwi. Cairns Kiwi. Kiwi's dominating the dojo, which was great. Uh, so we had uh, Braden Curry on the, the guy's side, and then on the female side had Teresa Adam take it out. A lot of you will not have heard of her, uh, but she did actually finish second at Iron Man New Zealand. And for us Kiwis who... You know, followed the sport closely. She also had a bit of an ITU career before that, but uh, a lot of us Kiwis won't know too much about her either. So hence, we have Teresa Adam on the show today. Welcome along. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Right. So we've got to get, get down and figure out what you were doing sort of uh, pre, pre, pre-triathlon, I guess, because um, I know you, start, you had a bit of an ITU career, but I saw somebody posted that you were a former New Zealand water polo rep before triathlon. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did um, through my teenage years. So I started water polo and, and intermediate and then went took that into high school and, and um, <clears throat> all through high school I played um, water polo and, and with that there's club, there's club um, water polo games and then, and then you try and make the New Zealand teams for all the, the age groups that I was in, the New Zealand under 15, New Zealand under 17, uh, New Zealand under twenty, New Zealand schoolgirls, and then New Zealand uh, New Zealand senior women. Um, this was all in a space of between I was sort of fifteen and to eighteen years old. Now, now we, in triathlon, everyone talks about the uncomfortable start of the swim, and uh, for most pros, I'm sure it's not that much of a problem. But when you come from water polo, triathlon must mm. seem like a breeze because that sport <laughs> is crazy in the water. Yeah, yeah, I've never really had any trouble with the the tri swims. Um, Water polo was a was a really good background for that. Um, it's it's it is a really tough sport. You have to be quite uh, aggressive, I guess is the word when you play water polo. Um, yeah, it is a really really aggressive sport. When you're playing water polo, are there moments you know because you're in the water? Are there moments where you feel you're going to drown? <laughs> oh no, nah, you you just yeah, it's quite a fast paced game, so everything's happening really really quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're never under for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of wedgies though. And what about what about the old um, the ball in the face? That must have been a bit. Oh yeah, and just catching the ball badly on a finger or something. Oh. Like, so, yeah, yeah. You're an animal. <laughs> um, so t- tell us a bit about your your, your ITU career because it's um, yeah you sort of did some you know New Zealand based races. Did you you sort of got sixth at uh, ITU. World champs at under twenty three level. So maybe just give us a bit of a pricey of of how your sort of short course career went and and how you got into triathlon in the first place. Yeah, so um, I was I was still playing water polo, and then a friend suggested I do some of the swim run series down on the um, Auckland waterfront, um, just for training, purely training to get fit for um, water polo. But um, I was sort of thinking at the time, you know, like. I'd been offered a few scholarships to go and play water polo overseas, but I wasn't. I was sort of feeling like my heart was um, not in it. So I did these swim runs and realized very quickly that, yes, I could swim, but I could not run um, at all. Mm-hmm. And then um, <laughs> I, I got, so I ended up getting a bike and I started, uh, I think my first race was the Takapuna race. Um, mm-hmm. And that was very eye opening. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. So I just kept going. And um, that first year, I met quite a few people and they helped me realize, you know, um, you got to get a you know, proper bike. And so I got into it and that first year I was under 19. I raced, um, I think it was called the contact series back then. And I raced Rotorua contact series and I won that one. And it, 
it was an automatic selection to go to the Youth Olympics in Sydney, oh, wow. uh, Penrith. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was all. It was all very happened very fast, and I was like, oh wow, okay. So I'll. Um, I went there, and I ended up coming sixth um, at the Youth Olympics there, um, which was really cool. Um, and then, so coming back to New Zealand the next year, I think that yeah, I stepped straight up to under twenty threes. So I turned. Yeah, twenty, and then that year they said um, that I was in the high performance program by that by that time, and they asked if I wanted to come overseas and and train and race um, uh, internationally. So I, of course I said yes, exciting. Um, so we went and we went to Boulder, Colorado first for a couple of months, where we trained at altitude, um, did some races from there, um, and then uh, including Des Moines, Iowa, it was a big prize money race mm. at the time, so that was cool. And then we moved to, over to Germany um, and we stayed there for a few months and did some European racing, um, Hamburg and things. And then I raced world champs at the end of that year um, and got six at under 23s in Budapest, yeah. um, Hungary. So that was 2010. But the whole year um, for me, I was sort of battling injuries. So it was, it was quite difficult. Yeah, it sounds like sort of the theme of your your sort of short course career. From what I've heard, you know, it was battling injuries, and and so you, you persisted until twenty twelve. You know, what was it that? Yeah. Um, what was the straw that sort of broke the camel's back at that stage in terms of <laughs> um, you know, have you just you just say I've had enough. I'm I'm injured all the time. It's time to to get on with other stuff. Um, it probably wasn't the camel's back. It was my back. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So yeah. So go back to that. That race in Budapest, I that that year I'd started to feel like um, when I'd run off the bike, I couldn't feel my feet; they were going numb. Oh, well. And um, I would get off and start running in a race, and you, my calves would get really, really, really sore. Like you know, your calves get sore, but yeah. this was this was really agony. But it'd get to the point where it um, stopped getting sore because I couldn't feel my feet, and then it would go up my calf. Uh, the numbness would go up my calf and to to my knee, so I'd just have numb legs from the knee down. Mm. I actually raced in Budapest. I couldn't feel my legs from the knee down. Um, mm. So I'd been saying, you know, telling the coaches and the support staff and that, you know, this is happening, and you know, no one had really um, said anything definitive. So I obviously just kept training and racing. But um, I came. So after that, I came back to New Zealand and raced in Fongamata when they used to have that the race that you run half on the road then come back along the sand um the contact series and it was in that race i i, I had to stop running and put my legs up the side of a car <laughs> and then we were like this isn't right so i went back and um to the the support team and met someone new who suggested oh this sounds like compartment syndrome and um i ended up going to see one of the sports doctors and um straight away they were like yeah yeah compartment syndrome and did the pressure tests and they were crazy high, um, and so I was booked in to get surgery pretty quickly after that um, for compartment syndrome. And um, so, but leading into that, obviously, I'd had just smaller injuries all the time um, with running. That was a major. That was a major injury for me. Um, and then having to rehab back from that, and um, sort of fast tracked a little bit, um, and then I ended up with a back injury. <laughs> yeah. And, and so yeah. did the injuries, was that sort of what you just said, I've had enough in 2012? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was trying. Like, I kept, um, I kept training. Um, so after the surgery, 
um, it was successful. Everything went well, but um, I hadn't. I didn't know much about things like scar tissue and and things like that in your legs. So when you know, obviously, you have a surgery and they go in and it's very invasive, and you you have residual problems post surgery um, that I hadn't you know factored in. I didn't know. I was still quite young at the time and really new to running and things like that. So I just got back with my running. I did you know some rehab exercises and that, but it wasn't enough. Um, so I couldn't run still and I was like I just had the surgery I thought I was going to be all brand new and good to go but um every time I tried to run I get like tears in my calf Mm. uh, because of the scar tissue and 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 it got to the point where I you know kept trying to train and I was swimming really well and I was riding really well so they said oh let's shortlist you for London to go and help Andrea um and so I was I was training hard on the bike and hard on the swim but mentally I was like I'm supposed to be a triathlete, you know, I'm not mm. doing any running. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just kept going until I, my back started to get really, really sore. And um, and then London rolled around. I didn't make the team, which was fine because I had no idea, you know, what I was doing. Um, and then I randomly was chatting to um, Debbie Tanner at a swim we were doing, just training. And she said, oh, and I was telling her about everything in my legs and how I was getting all these tears in my calves. And she said, oh, I know a guy, George Duncan, and go and see him. So I called up George and, you know, obviously I was pretty upset. And I was like, please, can you help me? I'm, I'm broken. I don't know what to do next. And he said, come and see me. Um, so I went and see him and straight away he just said, look, stop doing everything. Oh. <laughs> stop. Um, and because um, I hadn't been outside of the program, uh, the, the high performance program before seeing him. So I'd seen everyone um, in different codes and everything. And, and up at Millennium, Mish, I'd seen all the physios and all the sports doctors and things like that. And no one yet had just said, stop, you know, let your body recover. Mm-hmm. So he was the first person. And, and that's that's when I stopped. Um, and, yeah, so he helped me um, from then on. What was yeah. it like emotionally? You know, obviously you're, you're, you're being an athlete, but it's a pretty horrible experience. But I'm sure you still had ambition. They need to be told yeah. to stop. And obviously there's a big gap between then and now. So what was the kind of emotional journey journey like for you? Yeah, it was it was a difficult time. It's it's hard to explain. Um, but it was it was good because he took control because he could see at the time that I needed help and he said, Look, I can fix your legs and so we did that, but he realized pretty quickly that um, you know, mentally I wasn't I wasn't ready. So he he said, look, I know a guy, Gilbert Anoka. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah, yeah and um, we'll, we'll go and see him. So I ended up going and um, <laughs> going to the Heritage and they were in the middle of, the All Blacks were in the middle of like a test series or something. And I was sitting in one of the rooms with, with George Duncan and Gilbert Anoka, like having this chat about me, you know, and that's, you know, helping the All Blacks at the same time. So it was quite surreal. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was what I needed. And, and Gilbert's an, obviously an amazing man. And, and so I was George and, we worked together and he gave me things to work on and to think about. And um, basically they were really awesome and just wanted me to remember that I'm a person myself and, and work on Teresa uh, as a person and forget, you know, you can be an athlete, but you're also a human being as well. So um, they helped me get back to that and helped me get back to being normal. And the whole goal was just to strip everything back, everything that had built up over the years, just strip it back. And, you know, once we'd stripped it all back, we could rebuild again. So that's 2012. We're now 2017. You've got two scalps. 2018. Yeah, give uh, the times, mate. Give the times. <laughs> so there's a, there's a fair old uh, 
gap in in, in time. Yeah? <laughs> what was what yeah. was happening with life and uh, between now and then, <laughs> and and what sort of spurred the the comeback, or was there comebacks in between there that we didn't see? Um, yeah, it was it was another journey in itself. I guess there was um, a few more people along the road that really really helped. Um, there are a few other things, you know, just in regards to stripping back and, and rebuilding the body and, and the, the mind. So it did take some time and I um, um, I met someone who helped me a lot with my, my body, like, so, you know, learning, relearning how to use, you know, your, your core, your deep core and strengthening my body. Because by that point, once you've pushed yourself so hard, um, it sounds funny, but you actually reverse and become weak again so everything was really weak like I was all imbalanced my body was super imbalanced um so I spent a lot of time rehabbing you know morning and nights just I'm really good at doing what I'm told and if it's you know you've got to do these rehab exercises it'll it'll happen you know so I just spent a lot of time doing that and just doing normal things and getting back to um getting back to my roots I guess as well and so like I had you know had a job and just tried to forget about it for a while and then um, there was never a, like I always did I guess want to, to come back and so I was working hard to do that and even if it meant I went down to the pool and I, I water walked you know as opposed to action uh, aqua running I, yeah. I kept going and kept those routines going even even if I was like upset about it and what am I doing um, I just didn't give up I just kept going and as the pain subsided because um, I'd had a lot of nerve pain um, that was still there but my brain was telling me I was fine, like I was still I was still in pain when my body was fine, mm. so it was quite a confusing time. <laughs> mm. um, and then I, because the nerve pain came from the back, from the disc bulge, because um, I had some sciatic nerve pain down my legs, um, and so that was that was confusing. Um, but yeah, so I kept coming back into it, and I didn't really. Um, I was trying. I wanted to be a professional again, but I didn't. I was too scared. I didn't have the confidence to push myself anymore. Um, and then I think the big turning point came when I met my partner, Dan, um, that was in 2015. I was, I hadn't really done many events and I was sort of floating around. I was doing some coaching and trying to get back into it. And then I met him at a, um, at the Tauranga house. Um, we did a, we did the team together. So him and his brother did the, um, the bike and the run leg and someone was like, Oh, you know, do you want to do the swim in this team? So I went and did the swim and, um, and so we met and then we were just sort of best friends since then. But he helped, he, you know, he really helped. Um, he's a cyclist, so he'd take me out for rides. And we just, I just built confidence. And he just said, you know, you don't need to do anything fluffy. Just do more than what you're doing at the moment. You know, just do a little bit more each day. Do one thing a day, but do it longer. And, you know, so it just took some time to build that, that confidence back up. And he helped with that. And so how did you end up on the start line in, in Taupo? I can't recall many results before that, but uh, there, may, there may have been. Um, did you just go, was it sort of the, the Dylan McNeese approach where you're going to go, I'm just going to go and try one of these things and see what happens? And a few years later down the track, you know, Dylan's won a bunch of these challenge races around the world and, and had a pretty yeah. good long-distance career. Was it was it yeah. similar to you, just go, I'm just going to see what happens and then uh, take it from there? Or did you have aspirations yeah. of really kicking some ass? Nah, so I guess, I guess the thing is because I'd done ITU, when I um, so I, as I met Dan, we'd been training and he could see I was getting better. It was only a few weeks and and he could tell straight away, you know, that I was getting fitter. And so we started talking about racing and um, I got back into doing just age group racing. So I did, you know, like Kinlock and that, and 
Um, and he had a dabble, so it was just a fun time. So he, he, we both did some racing, and we're just having fun time. And my head was all was still ITU, uh, was still Olympics, you know. So it was, but these races that we're doing and um, that I was doing the short ones, I, I just wasn't having fun. Like I was always disappointed. Um, and he could see that. And I think very early on, he could tell that you know I was built for long distance, but. I didn't want to listen. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll go back and, and try and go back to ITU. And But the running for me has always been the hardest part. And to do the speed work and to get um, fast enough to be competitive was going to take a lot of work, which which would have been hard for me and probably ended up, you know, being difficult again. So um, he was all along saying, you know, go long. But everyone was waiting for me to make the decision for myself. And I just, we ended up, I did the Rotorua half mm -hmm. um just to see how it'd go back in 20 um 2016 so it's in december 2016 and oh i had a ball it was so much fun and everyone had said beforehand oh that's the hardest one why are you doing that you know it's your first one or whatever and um i didn't i was going to do like a tri maori in cambridge which mm. is flatter and easier but i got sick because i'd raced the tin man beforehand and i won that and that was the they had that inaugural National Elite Series, mm, yeah. um, and I won that one, and it was non-drafting, and because um, I'd never ridden a time trial bike or anything before, um, so my partner Dan he just sort of converted one of my old road bikes into a um, into a time trial bike, <laughs> setting up the front to end. Because um, he's a bike mechanic, isn't he? Yeah, and a, and a bike fitter, yeah. so I'm quite lucky, <laughs> mm. and an ex like New Zealand rep in cycling, so yeah. he's been a huge uh, help with um, everything, and. Um, so I entered Rotorua and I was like, you know, that wasn't that hard. And I really had such a fun time and I can just tick along at, you know, a reasonably fast pace, but, you know, not crazy, but I don't slow down and I don't, you know, I don't crack, I don't cramp. I'm just, my stomach's fine. You know, everything just felt quite like all these things that people talk about long distance triathlon being difficult. I felt like I was like, oh, this, this feels good. Mm. So I did that. And then obviously the next one coming up was the Tauranga Half. Um, and that again, I did that on the road bike slash TT bike setup, and um, I really surprised myself and came third. Um, did I come third? Yes. Yeah, Amelia Watkinson won that one, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, and so I had, you know, had really a lot of fun doing that one, and so we're like, okay, maybe we should get a time trial bike. So we found one just online, and um, and I did the Auckland half. That was my first one on on Little Blue, as I like to call my bike. And, um, yeah, and that went really well. I won that one and, and it was, um, so I, and then I gave myself a little bit of a break and then there was a point where we're like, okay, so what are we going to do? Are we going to go long or are we going to go short again? And the answer was there, the, the amount of fun I'd had doing the long course versus, um, the short races that I'd done that season, um, was just, it was, you couldn't compare. And so we're like, yeah, let's go along. And, um, and then obviously, in training and things like that we look at it and you know the longer I go the the stronger I kind of get so we're like oh well you know we'll look at doing maybe Taupo in March and, and why not you know like I've got nothing else going on why not we just line up and do Taupo. Mm. So what were your expectations going in you know you came out the other side with a 905 very good second place um, <laughs> not and, a bad first race. and Laura Sedell <laughs> took it out with a good good performance and you beat Jocelyn McCauley um, so yeah. you know it's not like there wasn't anybody there it was, it was quality athletes so what were your expectations going in and did you, you talked about the halves sort of going to plan and and you know an iron stomach and 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 getting stronger mm. was did Taupo did it basically go to plan um yeah yeah, it did. 
yeah, the whole day was was really cool. Um, and I think the big thing for me and, and, and in having Dan is it's all about doing your own thing. And um, he's, you know, always saying it's just a long time trial. Like it's 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 your time trial. It's there's not really much else you can do to affect anyone can affect your race. Um, so you just do what you can do. And um, with that, like you know, on the bike you just stick to your own power numbers and and ride to a wattage. Um, and on the run, the same thing. You just you run to a pace that you know you can do. And so um, I didn't really start training for the Ironman until so I did towering a half again um, in in January, um, and it was a little bit later. Um, this year, that was at the start of this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. So this year, and I got, I wanted to win, but I got second to Mel Hersholt. Oh yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> she is amazing, and so, um, so that was good. And then we had maybe like five weeks to get ready for Ironman. So I hadn't really done any Ironman type training leading into um, Tower and a Half, and then we did a block of say four weeks where I just did some bigger key sessions. So we looked at like what pacing and and just practice nutrition. Um, and did some longer rides and some some longer runs and so it was sort of going into Ironman to just do it on the day you know Dan said you, you can't like I didn't <laughs> you can't really train for it you just got to do it on the day so um so yeah I had no expectations and just wanted to finish it really mm. um yeah that was the aim, the aim for that one did you enjoy it yeah, I did. I had an awesome day. Like it was my birthday, and so huh. there was just so it's much support. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just the the coolest thing was getting out of the swim, you know. And you've got that shoot, that tunnel that you run through, and then you head up to transition, and just like everyone was yelling "Happy Birthday." I don't uh, know if they knew uh, me or not, but it was just like there was so many happy birthdays, and I actually I was smiling and laughing, and I wanted to wave to everyone and be like "Thank you, thank you," but I was like maybe not so professional. So just um, <laughs> just keep running. Um, and then on you know on the run like and. Like I said, I'd, I'd done some coaching, so I, I knew a lot of people. Like I'd spent a lot of time in the community um, in the years leading up to that when I was sort of out. So I'd, I, you know, I'd been coaching for clubs out west, uh, Black Sands and things like that. And so I knew I'd, I'd met quite a few people and lots of people down there. So there's lots of community, and so I had a lot of support um, at that race. It was really cool. Just everyone knew my name, and you know, and lots of people knew it was my birthday. So it was just really fun. And I think that one chugging along and thinking oh I'm doing quite well is, is quite fun as well you know mm. so going I'm doing better than I expected um the whole day is is quite I don't know geez you on a little bit yeah does um was was Ken's on the radar before Taupo you think yeah. I'm going to do Taupo and then I'm going to do Ken's or was Ken's holy shit I'm I'm pretty good at this <laughs> let's go and do Ken's <laughs> uh yeah yeah, yeah. holy shit I've, is the answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, definitely looked at it afterwards, and um, and then obviously before when I was thinking, oh, we'll go, um, you know, either Tokyo or we'll go Kona. It was like we'll go Kona twenty twenty. So once I did, I'm in New Zealand and it went well. We we're like, okay, maybe maybe things are going to happen a little bit quicker than that. So we looked at, you know, what's the next race that I could do that would give me the best shot of getting enough points and and enough money to mm. potentially make it to Kona this year um, and that was that was Ken's and obviously with the factor of it being a hot race um, was a good test as well um, and, and being in Australia which isn't you know miles away so yeah that was our thinking around that one. So before we talk about Ken's is Tokyo still on the cards or, or you've, you've, you've totally written it off now? <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's not me is it like I'm not built for that. Yeah 
So, go, so going into Cairns, you know, obviously a lot of the talk is all about the the male side of the racing with with Gomez making his debut, but obviously Rennie yeah. was was making her comeback. So, you know, you had that experience from Taupo. Do, was were you taking the same approach into this race? Okay, I'm just going to do my own thing, and were, were you riding to power or anything like that, or were you just basically mm. gun goes and you go, I'm just doing my thing because you, you're a very strong swimmer, so you're likely to be by yourself for for a big chunk of the day. Yeah. Um... No, I, I just stick do the same thing, stick to my own uh, numbers and that. And I think that's what I'll do my whole career. You know, that's, that's Ironman racing. Um, and that's how I'll get the best overall time. Um, and so, yeah, definitely um, there were big, big names. So, again, you can't, like, you don't know where you're at. You can't, um, I can't sit there and go, oh, you know, like, this is going to happen. So I was just like, I can't really do control what anyone else is doing I'll just do what I do and and whatever will be will be and um the the main thing you know like is like you mentioned with the swimming is um I'm lucky I've got Dan you know because you have a lot of people saying oh you'll have someone to swim with with Lauren and Dan's just like don't you know don't listen to that just if you know do what you got to do you do your pace and if she's you know don't hold on to her feet you know like if you can't then don't and so we started swimming and and I was like, this is probably a bit fast. And then I'm like, what would Dan say? And he'd say, you know, let her go. So I let her go. You know, it, even though minutes before the start, people are like, oh, just get on her feet. You know, these people yeah. don't know me. <laughs> and so you can get swayed by these comments, but I'm lucky I've got Dan because he's very sensible. And so I just let her go because I'm swimming as fast as I can for that time, for that distance. So, yeah, she's just the next level. So, so you obviously you win the race and you've beaten a you know a highly quality field. For you, was it a you know winning's great, but was it a was it a good race? Was it a great race, or was it just a bloody and incredible day in terms of how you, how you actually performed versus what you think you're maybe capable of doing? Um, no, it was a good race. Um, it definitely had different different vibes to time in New Zealand, but no, it was good. I think I nailed everything that I wanted to do. I, I did feel um, a little bit more tired, I guess, but that I'd put that down to the, the travel and, and the stress. And um, and I know there's been a bit of talk about my finish line comments and things like that. I just want to clarify, like, it's not that no one wanted to come with me. It was because we couldn't afford to. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I'm saying that, like, it was it was um, it was always going to be a little bit different because I hadn't travelled in so eight years or so and um, it was a bit of a logistical, um, harder logistically that race with being double transitions and things like that. So there's a lot you had to do the days leading into the race. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously heading over there on the Thursday coming from New Zealand and it, it had gotten quite cold here. Mm. So just the difference in temperature and things like that. And no, no, I'm very happy with my race. I'm not going to say I had a bad race. I obviously did an amazing race. Um, it's just, I know, I feel like I've got more to give. More in the tank, that's what we like to hear. Um, has life changed much since then? You know, you're obviously not going to be a, a global superstar, rock star icon on, on One Network News every night, um, but has, has much changed for you? You know, obviously you've probably got a few dollars in the pocket now, which is which is great, um, but has, has much else changed? You know, have you had any sponsorship opportunities come up? I know it's only been a, a little short period, but has, has much changed? Mm. Um, not really. Um, I guess because of maybe everything I've been through, we just like to keep our little bubble, our little house chugging along. And so everything that's really happening is either on the computer or the phone and I can just put those away, you know, and forget about it. You know, you don't have to turn it on. Um, and so 
not 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 much really mm. <laughs> i mean apart from having doing a few more podcasts and some interviews and mm. um people learning a little bit more about my life and what i've been through um so i'm getting a few few more messages and things like that but um no not not a huge amount which is fine with me because it's just you know the, everything's working just yeah. on the prize money you know like this year yep. in january well you know late last year you think oh i'll do i man new zealand see what happens and you know mm-hmm. you've you've won a good amount of money u.s prize money so what does that mean um, it means I can go to Kona or do these races that are that are further away. Um, so it's purely uh, just opportunity, but does it give you more security? Does it like you know what I mean, like and those types of things? Yeah. Um. Yes, it's hard to explain. We have a like at my where I live, and um, I still live like below my parents. Um. Mm. So it's we don't. It's kind of hard to explain, but. The, yeah, the money is, is really helpful, but basically it just takes pressure off some other people who support me um, and being able to support myself a bit more nowadays. Um, and I've got to, you know, look at it and look at where I want to go and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely just going to make things um, more achievable in terms of my career. Um, yeah. I'm picking it probably hasn't hit your bank account yet, though, has it? <laughs> uh, no. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a few more loopholes that you want to, like, go through first um that Uh, to avoid uh losing half of your money yeah um yeah so so what does the rest of this year look like now you know you've got an automatic slot to kona um through Mm -hmm. through winning cans but you probably would have had enough points i'd imagine from the from the the two races anyway so is kona on the cards and um what else have you got on the uh the radar yeah we're gonna go to kona um so it's we're looking at um and I haven't really thought past that, to be honest. So mm. that's that's the only other race that I'm thinking of. And then how we're, however that goes, we'll we'll decide after that. So um, we're looking at probably doing a camp um, in America beforehand, somewhere quite hot, um, and then heading over to um, to Hawaii maybe a week out from the race. Nice. Um, so we've literally just started to think about it um, now. So we'll get that all planned out, and um, yeah, and that'll be the next step. Fantastic. Now, if Pete, you've said you've had some messages of support and what have you, so you know, if people want to follow you, are you a prolific Facebooker, Instagrammer, or if people want to follow your progress between now and mm-hmm. Kona, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and um, and Twitter and that, and they just need to um, search my name, basically, Teresa Adam. Um, I think Facebook is Teresa Adam New Zealand Triathlete, and Instagram is Teresa J Adam, or one word. Um, yeah, so I'm 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 not prolific, but I do post. <laughs> and so it is Adam, not Adams. You're not part of the bloody the the, the, not the Adam Valerie family. Adam family and no. Steve no. Adams. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, uncanny resemblance. No, um, <laughs> no, no S, no S. Awesome. Oh no, it's been fantastic um, to be able to get your name out there a bit more because we love seeing Kiwis uh, yeah, kicking definitely. butt on the world stage, <laughs> and um, and we'll look forward to we're going to be on the sidelines in Kona, so we'll look forward to uh, cheering you on from the sidelines. Oh, cool! Thanks for having me, guys, and I'll see you in Kona. Awesome! Thanks for your time, John. Your thoughts? It's great to see Kiwis back up there. We're, we're having a resurgence of Kiwis at ITU what distance. What are they the right now? What are, what are girls in long course? Oh, Bevan, you just spring this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss people out when I, when I okay, do this. Okay, but is Theresa now the best New Zealand female? Oh, I forgot to ask you that question. 
Damn it. Oh, she, did you know she was the fastest? Yeah, I think she is the fastest New Zealand iron distance female. What time did she do in Kings? She did 8.53. And from the records that I saw on try247.com, yep. uh, which has the list of all the sub nine females, and they've got all the sub eight guys. From what I could see, um, Britta Martin was the next fastest at 8.56. Surely Gina went faster? No. she's got. She had, Gina had several sub-9s, yeah, but they that. were all high sub-9s. Okay. So I think Therese Adam is the fastest female over an iron distance um, of all time, so, which is fantastic. What a cool Damn, story, but I forgot to ask her that question. Because, you know, like, A, you come out of nowhere, suddenly you've got the mm-hmm. sport you find you're really good at. Mm-hmm. B, you go through the period where it's just horrible injury, mm-hmm. and it sucks, man, especially if you've really got potential. Mm-hmm. C, you get to this point where you pull away from the sport. D, you come back. We're going to go through the whole alphabet. Uh, yeah, I'll wait till we get to Z. Z. <laughs> Z, you get on Iron Talk Podcast. She's made it. Yeah, she's made it. But, you know, like, what a cool story. Mm, Pretty phenomenal stuff. Sounds like she just keeps it simple, and, uh, and you just hope for people like that that – Shit starts happening for them, and it has here. And look, she's what about uh, Kona? She's going to be there after the swim again. She's not going to be with the um, probably with Lauren Brandon, who's going to spank it off the front. Yeah. Um, but she's going to be definitely in that the the lead pack of females, if not probably somewhere between those Lauren Brandon and if um, Lucy Charles stays with Lauren Brandon, they'll be in front of her potentially. That's not really packed. This is two riders, isn't yes, it? Yes, but it'd be, she'll definitely be in that group, um, the, the next pe- next next uh, person in. And if she can handle the heat, you know, that kind of perform- that performance she did in Ken's, yeah. if there's more in the tank there, yeah, that's that's, a, that's good for a top ten. If she can if she can match that, that'd be good for a top ten. If she can lift it, it'd be good for a top five. Um, so exciting times. Go she hasn't got really a, a weakness. You know, she's Complete. great swimmer, solid on the bike, solid on the run. That's not a winning kind of performance or probably a podium um, performance yet. But she's only done two, so she's still quite young. I'm not sure how old she is, Bev. Another question we didn't ask her. Yeah, okay, we'll figure that out over the next few weeks. Uh, John A. Age group of the week. Good old Roger. Uh, Canham sent through this one. It's actually a bit more of an age group nomination. No, name your age group of the week nominee. That Roger Canham is who they're nominating, oh. along with others. Oh, along along with, others. with others. Okay, who sent this through? Wait a second, I can pull it up. Okay. It's actually a bit of a group nomination. Roger the General Kenham, Carl the Eye Candy Memos, uh, Dylan the Apprentice Blog, Bog, and Robin the Fossil Brooks. Uh, all triathletes uh, of outstanding ability, and this week are doing the RAM for an amazing charity. What a, b- a bunch of inspiring people. And the support team of triathletes, wives, children, and friends are crazy. A shout out to this amazing bunch. We'll do them a power of good as they try to raise a hundred thousand pounds, not dollars, John, pound for a brilliant charity. So get busy living ram.com is the website, John. Mm-hmm. And I think they've they've raised about fifty five thousand pounds at this point in time. Outstanding. Outstanding. It's a lot of money to raise. Mm-hmm. Um and they're doing the RAM. Very good. Pretty awesome stuff. Uh, race across the 12 states from California to Maryland, climbing 175,000 feet across 3,000 miles against the clock. They'll be joined by an incredible support crew. We'll be with them every step of the way, driving, massaging, navigating, encouraging, fixing, healing, planning, communicating, feeding, hydrating, cooking, cleaning, and protecting riders for the full seven days. So the whole trip will be funded by the four riders, meaning that every penny of their ambitious 100,000 pound target will go straight to a charity 
and Richard Parnell sent it through. John, the question I have, when you do it in a team of four, I wonder how you, you, you plan your times. Your well, blocks. it's it's different. So I'd imagine, that, remember last year on our camp over in Roach that we were embarking on tomorrow for me, yep. is Christine, who was helping us out. She'd, yep. she'd done the Ram oh, literally a couple of weeks before, and they'd that. set a new record with a Bavarian team, and they were doing it in, in a relay format. Uh, and so they'd basically just get out there and just ride as hard as they could for a set amount of time, and they were going high intensity. Don't know how these guys are doing it, but I'd imagine they'll be doing it in relay format. Uh, do they have options? Can you do it as a, as a team at the same time? Like a team time trial? No, yeah. I don't think so. You, okay. you do it as a, as a relay. But they uh, still have individual in the RAM, don't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's different formats of RAM. You can do this RAM here. Um, well, I assume they're doing an organised one. Or you can do the continuous non-supported RAM, um, which was a documentary I watched about that. Uh, or you can so do I watched it years ago. Yeah. And the old guy died. Yes. That was a really amazing documentary. Yeah, so you can go supported, unsupported. Um, for me, if I was going to do the RAM, uh, I'd want to do it with a couple of mates and not. Make and, an experience. Yeah, and, and have support and don't go too crazy on it so you actually start to lose the enjoyment. I'm talking, you know, you might ride 12 hours a day or 10 hours a day and just however long it takes, it takes. Um, the idea of going to that deep fatigue state where you're weaveling all over the road doesn't really have that much appeal to me. So the solo start starts in six days, the team starts starts in two days. Mm. So And the solo record was something like seven days, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Mm. Yeah. They got an, an honest clip and they not getting much recovery. Yeah, good times. Okay, so if you want to check it out, you can go to uh, their website is getbusylivingram.com and if you want to chuck a few dollars your way, I reckon it's a pretty cool thing because what have we got? The, the names are The General, The Eye Candy, The Apprentice and The Fossil are all out there doing the race. So well done, boys, and to their support crew as well. John, our sponsors. <laughs> Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. Name a few, John. Anthony, the Squid Express Camarilla, uh, Ian, the Merv Hughes. Nice. That's a good one. Parker, Barney Day. Good times. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me and it's all pretty simple from there. Uh, sponsors. Just done the extreme endurance. Good work. You're like the buffer and our patrons. Okay, if you want to email us, email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. My gosh, Bevan, uh, and my, my boy's 11th birthday party yesterday, oh no, uh, two days ago, took them all out mountain biking, good times, cheapest birthday I've ever organised, couple of scoops of chips and we're good, Your boys, done. what do you mean your boys? 11, 11th birthday party. Oh, and so we just take mountain biking? Mountain biking, it was great fun. Where'd you go? Bottle Lake Forest, going nice. through some puddles, we went, we went out a week before to do some reconnaissance, yep. and thought, yep, this is going to be okay, went out this time, there's been a bit more rain, and uh, puddles, it was like pedalling, and it was actually going into your bike shoes. Oh, good times. So the boys enjoyed that, it was I good had fish and chips every night, John. Mm. When was the last time you had fish and chips? Very infrequently. But I tell you what, did it deliver? If you get good fish and chips, oh, they are pretty good. Creepers, creepers. Mm. I even went to the fish and chip shop, John, mm -hmm. with my slippers on. Did you? Yeah, I went like, you know, your Sunday afternoon pants, your slippers. You've got a good fish and chip shop nearby, yeah? Down, down the Craigroft? Yes. Yes, that's where quality, we went. Quality, quality. What, what, when, you, when you get fish and chips, what do you get? Scoop, fish, usually crab stick, kind of depends what their hot dog's like. Uh, They've got a good hot dog, I'm impartial to a good hot dog, but you sort of hit and miss with the old hot dogs. You some, do you love a, a hot shitty dog? hot dog. Oh, I go, do you, you have nose bags? 
Remember nosebags? No. <laughs> when we were younger, this is what I was into a different kind of recreational lifestyle. There was a place called Nosebags and they had $5 hot dogs and they were like this big. Right. They were unbelievable and it was quite famous for people of a certain lifestyle. Um, I, get, I get fish, hot dog, donut right. and scoop. I get right. all of it because I don't do it often. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, it was good. So, 11. Sorry? 11, yes. Oh, 11. Bevan, what's happening in your world? I've got a bit of... You're, you're packing. I see the first boxes have, got, have turned up in the corners. Oh, yeah. I'm not packing. Someone's packing. Mm. <laughs> Joe's packing. Um, I've got a big important talk this Friday, John. Yes. I'm doing a... a, a it's not a TED talk. It's mm. a pig talk. Right. It's a pig talk. I'm speaking to all the doctors of Christchurch. Mm. So I've been practicing like crazy. And uh, I'm basically just going to talk about how... I'm really good at talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fundamental of my lessons. So that's, that's pretty, it's actually quite cool. So myself and six other people in the region are doing a talk to all the doctors of Christchurch. So I'm, I've been doing a lot of prep because you don't want to cook that one up, do you? No. no so got that. And then you go to wrote this week, I go to wrote next week. So I'm just keeping keeping things, keeping on, John. Excellent. Keeping keeping on. So next week we'll have a short show. Uh, and, uh, and I think this week's a short show. Next, show is actually next week's short show as well, isn't it? No, because you did 45 minutes, didn't you? Okay. Yeah. And then we did how long? 30? Yeah. So today's the short show. Okay. Yep. So there we go. Let's wrap it up. And there might be something else coming out as well. There may be a Legends of Triathlon podcast. They might not come out until after road. Uh, we'll see how we go. We could leave it in road. Mm. We're not going to get the intro done in the next couple of days, are we? We might do. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Iron Russ. <laughs> I mean, I train hard. Train smart. He's a hard taskmaster. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.